Hey everybody, welcome back. It is Josh with the Sacred Scoop. Who's here? I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that was a perfect introduction for Genevieve, who this episode is going to be about today. And also we have here... Emily Weberg. Hey guys. Awesome. Well, we are super excited here to bring you our first full episode of the Sacred Scoop. And today I am going to be interviewing and asking some questions along with Emily to our lovely co-host, Genevieve Belt. She is a licensed acupuncturist, a psychic medium, a holistic healer, registered yoga teacher, and my super hot wife. Mm. Hi. (laughs) What an introduction. Yes. So nice. I had to do it twice. For those of you who didn't know, this is a re-recording. This is a re-recording. Of the original episode. So without further ado, I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off to Jenna. I think she's got something to say. Yeah. I want to talk about the re-record because I think it's important. I, we recorded this, this was the first episode we ever recorded and everybody was nervous. So that's Mm -hmm. fine. Whatever. But I started to, after listening to it, I started to realize that I was answering questions that weren't actually my answers. I was just answering whatever I thought other people wanted to hear. And I was like, this is not the point of what I'm doing. I am here to be authentic. I'm here to, you know, open myself up and be vulnerable in a little bit of a scary way. Yeah. Um, But also really fun too. And so you know, I was like, we're just going to re-record this because I just need to be me and that needs to be okay. And that's what we're doing. So we support your authenticity. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well then let's, let me ask you, Jenna, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Let's get to know you. Who, who are you? Yeah. Who am I? Um, I was born and raised in Morris, Illinois with Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was he was around in the neighborhood. Um, Somewhere known, there. Yeah, we've known each other for a very long time. Um, it's a small town. It's a rural town. Um, my um, family was really involved in the community. My dad had um, held um, like political positions. And Several, s- I think, right? Yeah. So, so it was just, um, we, every, we knew everybody and everybody knew us. Um, so there was, that was a little bit fun and that was also a little bit not fun sometimes. Oh yeah. I'm sure. (laughs) If I ever tried to get away with something, absolutely was not (laughs) happening because somebody was going to find out and then that would get back. Um, but you know, so, um, I went to, I grew up, um, being raised Catholic and um, which we'll hear a similar story from Emily, which Mm -hmm. also binds us together in a way. (laughs) Oh yeah. Cause that's a whole experience. Um, I went to a Catholic K through eight, which, you know, it it, it has its pros and it also has its cons. Um, But I think that really was a big start to me thinking about there's got to be more Mm -hmm. this feels a little bit limiting Mm, i don't i I am i'm a little bit resistant to (laughs) any authority um and so it's common to your life yeah exactly (laughs) um it's all over my astrology so um i just knew that like that was not it for me um from a really young age and i i like it didn't you know, it didn't make sense. It just wasn't it. 
Um, and there were a couple of circumstances too, where, you know, and I had a group of friends that felt similarly. We all kind of had that experience where we were like, this is just not it, you yeah. know? So we would have these really like intense discussions that are little like seventh grade sleepovers of like, you know, what else is out there? And we really, you know, got into like paranormal and like sisterhood bonding. And we all like, Light we, as a feather, stiff as a board. Exactly. Yes. Right. Like we, we like, we would like ride our bikes to a graveyard and like try to do seances. And so we all kind of had this like, um, occult interest. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those things where like you were told not to do that in the Catholic church. And so we wanted to do right, it more. Which makes it <laughs> so even <hard>. more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very intriguing. Exciting. Exactly. So that was kind of the start of it. Um, so what you're saying then when we say, tell us about yourself is that you're a little rebellious. Oh, just a tidbit, <laughs> just a tidbit. Um, yeah, I think I just, I, you know, I like to be on my own path all yeah. the time, right? Like it has to feel right for me. And I think so often in our societal norm, especially for women, we're sort of like the path is created for us and you, um, you go to school, you go to high school, you graduate, you go to college, you get done with college, you go to work, you find your husband, you marry, you have kids, right? It's like, it's already laid out. And yeah. I was like, or what if I don't do any of that? Mm -hmm. Or what if I do it my way and, and a way that works better for me? And so it was, I already just kind of, it was, it was within my being to be that kind of person as much as it may have upset my parents. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I think a lot of people thought I was just weird for the sake of being weird. Um, but it just felt more like me, I yeah. guess. So, okay. So tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm running this business, um, sacred earth. I'm doing this podcast, the sacred scoop. Um, I am just trying to figure it all out. Like everybody else. I feel like I'm in this state right now of major transition. Um, everything is changing. Everything is shifting and it's a lot of stuff, but it's good. It's like all the good, all the things I've been manifesting are coming to yeah. me, but with challenge. So it's just that like yin and yang, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Having to balance it all out. Yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I'd love to get to know a little bit about what motivated you to become a healer. I think I was actually born to be on this path. Mm -hmm. um, I, some of my first memories as a child, and I was one of those kids too, that like could talk really early. Um, and, and my mom always talks about how like weird it was that I could like speak in full sentences at a very young age, you know? And um, so I think because of that, I also have more memory. I remember everything about everything. Yes. Okay. And I, and all my sisters, they call me all the time and they're like, we need you. Um, we need our memory, AKA you to tell us about what happened in the summer of 1997. And I'm like, yes, I got sure, it for that's you. That's a blessing and a curse. It is a blessing and a curse. Um, I think people, you know, of course there's childhood trauma involved and people either remember everything or they remember nothing. Mm -hmm. So I've got two sisters that remember nothing and I remember everything. And I don't know if my, my older sister remembers much or some or what. Um, so I, that some of my first memories were dreaming and I would have these intense vivid dreams to the point where I did not, I was struggling to discern 
dreams from reality. Wow. And I will never forget like dreaming. It was almost like what I think people would call like astral projection where you can see yourself sleeping and I would be flying as like a three-year-old over my family, like watching them watch TV. And I would tell my mom, mom, I saw you guys, you were watching this show on TV last night. And she'd be like, it was just a dream, honey. Like, I don't know that she knew what to do with it. Um, And I'd be waking up with like nightmarish type dreams seeing apparitions in my bedroom. Mm. Um, I remember all of it. Like, like it was yesterday. Um, and that never stopped. I just, I still to this day have vivid dreams every single night, usually multiple. So that was kind of, I think that was sort of the beginning, like tell that this was a path that I was meant to be on. Plus my interest in a cult, plus my interest in, um, not, like listening to anybody except for myself (laughs) defying authority. So when you talk about undergrad, what was it that you were studying? I was studying uh, kinesiology and nutrition. Okay. So that that's where your health, you were interested in health. Exactly. Well, and it came from, I wasn't really sure. I I think actually it was my junior year of high school. I had had this boyfriend through high school that I was just madly in love with. Thought I was going to marry him. He was a wonderful person, um, but it just, that it wasn't right. Right. And so um, I got dumped and it just like totally ripped my heart out. And I was so like devastated. It really like affected me for a long time and, and essentially kicked off a lot of um, my autoimmune diseases. So, yeah. So, and this is a very common for people who are autoimmune sufferers. There is often a major trauma that will kick off a lot of the symptoms. So I had already had a little bit um, prior to that, that first heartbreak. Um, but after that, it was just like, it was a downward spiral from there. Um, and so for those of you who don't know, I have, I have a couple autoimmune, um, I have something called Bichette syndrome and I have, uh, something else called neutrophilic vasculitis. And both of these things affect your blood vessels and create systemic inflammation all over your body. So the hard thing about that is it could look like anything. It could look like anything. And so nobody at that time I had seen, you know, a couple local doctors and it was, nobody said anything about autoimmune or I was so young that it like wasn't even in their minds, I think. Yeah. Um, but I was having such bizarre symptoms um, that seemingly were unrelated, but sure enough, I eventually figured it out. And so that kind of led me to like really getting into nutrition, I became vegan in high school, which was not necessarily right for me, but it sort of was just the thing that I was like, this is a health choice that I'm going to make. So I originally entered into the registered dietitians program, um, figured out that that wasn't quite right. That was a little bit too limiting for me as well. So I just went into kinesiology and started studying the body and how it moves got a nutrition um, degree as well. And just um, like a general base knowledge of nutrition, food science, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of where like the practical side of my education came in and my interest in health. Okay. Um, But after that, that heartbreak, 
I also discovered yoga for the first time. Mm, So that was like, that was my thing. I went into this. It was like our local gym, the health smart or what was it called? Powerhouse or something. Right next to turtles tap. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) This is in the city while you're in undergrad. No, this was in Morris while I was in high school. Oh, okay. okay. And they had one little studio where they would do a, a series of all kinds of classes. And I don't know what led me to going to yoga one day. And it was this lovely, sweet woman. I can't remember her name. Um, And she taught a class and I was like, oh my God, this was so like, it was, it was just like, I was sad all the time. I was grieving so hard at that time. And I really didn't feel like I had the resources. I didn't feel like I had the support around me. I think because when you're young and you have a heartbreak like that, people are like, she'll get over it. Mm -hmm. She'll be fine. It's like, there's fish in the sea. Like you hear all the different things. Right. But for me, when things happen and I'm, I feel like you would understand Emily, like it hits you 3000 times harder. Like it just, it was so intense. I mean, before we were dating, I mean, then after we were dating, because it was basically right afterwards. I mean, there was um, a significant shift. Yeah. Like I became a different person. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like you were still you, but there was definitely like someone took your shine for a long time. Mm. I gave a lot of energy away to that situation. Yeah. 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 It was very, it was, it was, I mean, for years, for probably a decade, I think that really, I just like, I shifted. I completely, I don't know. It just, because it creates a lot of insecurity. And so, right. So like that just changed who I was. Whereas like in Josh's view, I was very confident and, you know, and enthusiastic and all of these different um, qualities that were just like dead within me, buried somewhere. They weren't dead. They were still alive, but I just didn't know it. So people are basically telling you like, you'll get over it in time, but you're in it and you're like, but this sucks. Yeah. (laughs) And then you, and then when you hear that, you're like, I'm not normal, (laughs) you know, like, why am I not getting over this? Well, if I'm remembering correctly, just from your, what you told me, it was, it was more of like, you have this amount of time and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the advice. Unfortunately, it was like, take, take this time and then you need to move on. Yeah. You know? And I was like, but what if I can't, you know? And and it's not that I, it's not that I didn't because I did. Obviously Josh and I got together soon after there was some turmoil with that, (laughs) but like, you know, I, I, I moved on and I went about my life and it's not like I was just like, you know, held up in my room every night thinking about it. It was just that my body remembered that trauma for a very long time. So doing yoga was something that helped release that from your body and you're like, Oh my God, this is magical. Yes. So that was kind of like my, the start of my spiritual journey. I didn't know that's what it was (laughs) because I was just like yoga, physical body movement. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, but when I, when I was in my undergrad, I was like, I have to do a yoga teacher training. So in 2011, I did a teacher training um, with, with Rhonda Cantor and um, it was fantastic. And it was the perfect program for me because I think yoga has been very westernized um, yeah. in our society. And she was very, very authentic, very aware of like the traditions. Very, like we, I learned um, Hatha yoga. But she was very careful to introduce all types of yoga. And and we had all kinds of people come in and and talk about um, all of these experts, um, experts in Kundalini, experts in Anusara. Like I just got to see a lot 
and experience a lot. And one of the women that came in was an Ayurvedic doctor. Mm. And I was like, this is it. This is my thing, you know, like earth medicine, nutrition, move. Like I get it. I get this. And holistic. Is that where you felt limited in like the dietitian? Yes. Yeah. Where it's like only looking at it from one like your a, symptom base exactly. and not as a whole being. And I, I started to realize too, a lot of dietitians um, go into hospital care and you're, you're oftentimes you're, you're limited in what you can do because of that. Mm. Um, and, and oftentimes it's like putting together feeding tubes and things that I just, you know, I was like, but what if I could get to them before that situation? Yeah, okay. Right. Like how can we create healing before we need as to give lifestyle. someone a feeding tube? Yeah. Right. So it was, so I had to kind of switch gears from there, but, um, unfortunately at that time, I believe this was early 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Um, I, Ayurveda was not really a thing here. And so there really wasn't programs that you could not locally anyways, um, not that I could find. And so that kind of led me to Chinese medicine. And then I was like, okay, this is pretty much the same, but just different, a little bit like different modalities and whatnot. Um, but so much crossover there. And so I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Ironically, I had never even had acupuncture. I didn't know anything about it. I had never met anybody that did it. Um, but my mom, I think, well, my dad owned a commercial building and a woman moved into the building who was an acupuncturist Perfect. and she, and my mom was seeing her. And then she just so happened to be the sister of one of my teachers at this Catholic grade <laughs> school. Funny. Right. So she's like, why don't you reach out to her? Um, her name is Lori Stone. She owns three wells acupuncture in Morris. And she became like a mentor for me. And she was like the one who was like, let's uh like come on in watch what i do and i will never forget like watching her a woman came in i believe she worked she was uh worked at a prison and she was like limping and in clear pain with i think it was her knee she did a treatment and her treatment was like she needled like her opposite elbow and i was like what is this like this is weird um that woman walked out pretty like basically normal with without pain wow. it was wow. it like blew my mind and i was like what kind of wizardry is this <laughs> like tell me everything um and so she let me come in a couple of days and just watch she let me um uh you know get some needling done for myself like it was just a very like immersive experience and i'll always be grateful to her because that really like lit a fire under me and i was like i'm doing this i'm doing it so i did it <laughs> And here I am. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah right. 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 But in the meantime, I, you know, as I mentioned, I have these autoimmune things going on. And right after college was when it, it really, I mean, it just, it escalated from like zero to three million. Um, and unfortunately, Josh was, you know, present for that. And, and we had just moved in together and I was... I mean, it started out with this like full body rash that was like these very painful like pustules all over my body. And I was in dermatologist offices. I had to get biopsies done everywhere. It was, that was painful and also really freaky too. That freaked me out. Yeah. Um, And they, it was just, you know, steroid cream, 
call it a day. I was scarred for a little while, like all over. It was, it was really just bizarre. And then that turned into like severe pain, um, mostly in my neck and shoulders. I was unable to get up. Sometimes I, Josh yeah. would have to lift me out of bed. That turned into um, like, a, like an immune dysfunction where I was like severely sick, um, like flu or almost like strep-like symptoms. Um, and then that very quickly spiraled into like open ulcerations all over my body, um, severe GI distress. Um, I mean, I can't even think of all the things like there were so many things. So I have a question for you and you know, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but was there like an event that you remember that kind of set this all off? There was, there wasn't a, well, so the initial, this initial heartbreak, I think was a big, a big, a big catalyst for all of this. That's when the very, very first symptoms started. Yes. Just kind of creeping in a little bit. That I knew of. I I actually think I I can remember being a young child. I went through a period of time as a young child where I was actually really vital and in, and in really good health, but I can remember being young and struggling with a lot of GI distress, having a lot of stomach aches. So I think, I don't know, there was just a, some sort of predisposition there or, or something. I haven't quite figured it out. But, it was kind of um, like latent for a while? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that was an initial catalyst. But I did, I was, I was struggling a lot with trauma. I have uh, a family member who suffers from addiction, from alcoholism. And that, like, really, I mean, it was just it just ripped through my world like crazy. And I think everyone's world that was there. Yeah. So it was just, it, it, there was, there was a lot of situations that was, that was happening. And and anybody that is in that kind of family dynamic understands what it's like and how it feels. And being an empath who remembers everything. Exactly. It feels everything twice or more. Right. And it's not just your, it's not your own feelings. It's everybody else's feelings around you. So Mm -hmm. it was just feeling responsible for those feelings. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. The responsibility piece is like major for me because with the knowledge of any kind of medical knowledge, you know, in my mind, I was like, it's my responsibility to get this person healthy. Mm, Wow. But that doesn't work like that. Right. But it's a huge responsibility to put on yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So it just that, I mean, that whole situation, um, and it, and it, it's still, it's still a situation, unfortunately, but, um, I've really, really learned how to work with that and how to have safer boundaries with that. But it's, it's taken some time. Um, that was very much like happening in a, in a strong and intense way. And, and I just didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't realize how much that stress was creating physical manifestation. Okay. And that was like a whole thing that I had to learn real, real quick, but it happened real slow. (laughs) So it did not happen fast enough. Um, So, yeah, so that's a good question because I think that like, and in Chinese medicine and in a lot of forms of medicine, and I know both of you believe this as well to some extent, there is often an emotional root. There is, mm. I'm, I'm even going to dare to say there's almost always an emotional root. Yeah, right? 100%. I mean, that's um, what I think. Yeah. Right. So um, there was a lot. I mean, there was to have so much toxic emotions that it created these manifestations in a 23-year-old young woman. Ooh, it had to be a lot. It had to be a lot. Right. You know? And not knowing how to manage 
oh having that no idea. like having no connection to that until you look back on it now and being like oh that makes a lot of sense exactly but i think i think though i mean really you were work- seeking healing in mm-hmm. a lot of different avenues but you found a lot of relief in acupuncture right well, yeah i mean so this kind of um with bichette syndrome and even even vasculitis too it's not like it's not like ms and lupus and some of these really um i hate to say but common ones that we hear fibromyalgia right like where a lot of uh, pretty much everybody's heard of at least one of those Bichette's is not common, right? Mm-hmm. Um, vasculitis is not common. And so um, I, I was having a hard time finding a medical doctor to help me. And it became really clear really quickly that I was on my own with this. Um, it was, you know, when I eventually did get a diagnosis, it was, I mean, the doctor that diagnosed me was like, uh, I mean, I think she sent me to an infectious disease doctor, but it's like, it's not an infectious disease. So... I ended up at a rheumatologist and I just kind of like vetoed that idea. Cause I was like, that doesn't make sense. I just think she was like grasping at straws. Cause like, she I don't know what to do. Had no idea, had no clue. So, um, but I am grateful to her because she did ultimately find the diagnosis one way or another. Um, but it was, it was just this totally helpless place of like being in a state of, is this going to be my life forever? Mm. Like, is this going to be my body? Is this how, you know, and, and just to add like insult to injury, like, is my partner going to want to stay with me like this? Sure. Right? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, is, is Cause you guys had kind of just started dating. We had just moved in together. Just when moved all in. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. We yeah. had, we had been dating, but we, we, you know, Josh was, he went to Western. I was up in the city. We okay. only saw each other like, once a month maybe yeah about once a month yeah so it you know it was it was kind of we're living that long distance life a little bit and so now he's living with me and i'm like my body's freaking falling apart what a good testament or test to your relationship to be like all right yeah are you in it because we're in (laughs) it and and it was i felt very supported by you josh i think i i know that like it was tough we were both floundering. Like we had, I didn't no know idea. what to do. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to do. I made a lot of mistakes, but like, I definitely, I mean, I could see, I could see that you were laying in bed pretty much every single day and not doing anything. And I could, I knew oh, I had to interrupt that. Yeah. Right. Like I knew I had to like interrupt that somehow. Um, but it was not, it's not easy to navigate because I can't force you. Right. Right. You needed to like, anyway, it was, it was, it was complicated, but we worked our way through it. And, you know, I think we're a lot stronger for it for sure. So would you say that this was kind of motivation for you to help other people who have not been heard by Western medicine doctors? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because they're very symptom based. Yes. And I remember the first rheumatologist that I saw and I, I asked, he gave me a medication. Actually, I, I couple doctors i was on i think 28 different medications at one time oh my goodness yeah it was so crazy much it was so it, not, nothing was working and then i saw this rheumatologist i eventually got off of all of them and then this particular rheumatologist prescribed me um coltracine which is like a an immunosuppressant and it was kind of like you have to stay on this for the rest of your life um this is the only thing that we know of that could help with this probably 
you know, um, but um, you'll have to come in for blood testing every three months because it will affect your immune system. We have to check your white blood cell count and this could render you infertile. And I was like, holy shit. Like I'm 23, dude. Wow. Like what? I don't you love have, like, so this. much of your life to live. Right. Well, so, on top, like you didn't even we've talked a little bit about Bichette's, but like they were t showing you information that like you might lose your vision, that you're probably going to die yeah, young. Stroke like out, all of this like, terrible, you know, like wow. it was, it was so fear inducing. Like yeah. I was, I was, I froze. I just, every, like Josh said, every day I'd come home from work if I could even make it to work and I would go to sleep and that was it. And he would force me to get up, eat dinner. I'd go back to sleep for like four or five months, I think. Yeah, it was, a, it was a while. It was a while. Um, so that was really, that was really hard. Um, so then there's this whole other portion of this that I wasn't even like addressing, which was my mental, emotional health, which was like the most important part of this. Yeah. But the hardest. Exactly. When you're feeling already low. Right. Cause then, and, and I was in such a survival mode too. So I, it was just, how do I get my body feeling better? Cause mm -hmm. if my body feels better, I'll feel better. Yeah. Um, not realizing that I, my body wasn't well because I was ignoring all of this other stuff mm, that was going on yeah. in my mental, emotional health um, and spiritual health. So, yeah, I, I, um, I think with this particular rheumatologist, after he gave me that medication, I asked him, is there anything that I can do? Diet changes, lifestyle changes, because I'll do it. I'll do anything. Mm. And he said, no, there's no research to support that. And I thought, huh, okay, well, I'm just going to go eat Cheetos every day for the rest of my life. Goodbye. Yeah, right. Goodbye. And I'm just going to eat Oreos and all the shit. Right. And I, and I did, um, for like a couple months. And then I, um, I was, I was looking through, um, the, the, I had the book, the wheat belly book, um, yeah. by Dr. Davis, and it was kind of a craze at that time. It was all about like, it was sort of the, in the midst of the gluten-free kind of movement and people were sort of, you know, going which way or the other. It was, it was more of a trend than a health thing at mm -hmm. that point. Um, but Dr. Davis talked a lot about it. He's a cardiologist. He did a lot of um, good work with it, I think. Um, so he... Uh, wrote this whole book about it and had all these recipes. And I think I was scanning for a recipe and um, I just happened to flip to this page about skin disorders. And on the bottom of the page were a bunch of diagnoses that were, could be related to a gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity and Bichette's was listed. And I was like, okay, so I can't get any freaking information about this from anybody. And this guy's listed it in this book. The super rare condition. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, right. It's like 2% of the population has it. Most of those people are from the middle East. Um, I don't know why. Um, most of those well, people it used to be called silk road disease, right? It did. It did used to be called silk road disease. Um, most of the people in the middle East that have it are men, but in the U S most of them are women. So, huh. I just don't know. I don't know. Um, but I, at that moment I was like, there is something I can do. That doctor was wrong, you know? <laughs> and I like really got, you know, intense about like, I'm going to do this protocol. I started to feel better. I then did the Gerson protocol, which is actually like, um, an anti-cancer protocol developed by Dr. Gerson in the forties. Um, but they had like an autoimmune version that I did. Um, that, 
made me even better. I started working with Dr. Greg Seaman with Thrive MD in Schaumburg. Um, he's amazing. And he saved me at that time. Like we were doing um, IV um, infusion therapy. We were doing um, intravenous ozone. We were doing so many different things um, that got me to a place of being almost 100% functional. Oh my gosh, that must have felt so good. It was amazing. I mean, like we were, we were thriving. And because, yeah. you know, like everything just changed at that point. And I knew with 100% certainty that that Western route was just not going to be it for me. Like there were, it was, nobody knew what to do. Mm -hmm. So I was going to have to just forge my own path. And you found healing through a lifestyle change. Exactly. So there's more to, there was more to it. There was way more to it. And I learned that very quickly. Um, and so in this time period, I was also starting my master's degree for acupuncture. And I met um, Brendan Matson, who is the Dean of Pacific College of Health Sciences. And I just reached out to him and was like, you know, this is more of a personal thing, but I'm, I'm dealing with, with this issue, Bichette syndrome. And he said, yeah, I've, I've seen this before. I used to, I used to treat some patients in California. Um, I'm happy to help. And I was like, okay, let's go. So I would go to his private practice in Ravenwood and he did treatments and herbal therapy and all this stuff. And again, it just like, I mean, it took me from like mostly functional to completely functional. That is amazing. It was so amazing. It was, and, and all the while I'm getting to learn at the same time, yeah. you know, by watching what he's doing and experiencing it for myself and experiencing the herbal therapy and all of the different things. Right. So I'm just like sponging this all up and I'm like, yes, this is my freaking life, dude. Like I'm going to do this. This is my thing. Yes. <laughs> right. Like how, in which way I wanted to go about that. I, I knew was going to be the acupuncture route, but um, I, I really think there's this concept in astrology um, that has to do with the, the asteroid Chiron and they call Chiron the wounded healer. And it's all about how you have to be wounded to then integrate those wounds understand them, learn about them, you know, work on them and then be able to share that knowledge with everybody else who's wounded to help them too. And my, of course, my Chiron is um, what we call highly afflicted. It has a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of challenges with it. Um, and so I really do think like it was just written in the stars for me to live this life and to understand my body and my soul in this way and to like share this with other people. Um, and that actually very quickly happened because two years after I was diagnosed with Bichette's, my youngest sister was also diagnosed with very similar symptoms. And I told her, I feel like I had to go through all of this and learn all of this so that I could, I could fast track this for you. Sure. Um, and so it and this was kind of what Josh said in the last <laughs> yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, so I've, I've had to, I've been forced to be a bit of a pioneer in some of these things. Well, you have wolf medicine and I that do. is what they do. They, they're the pathfinder. The fort. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the old wolf. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's been great. really hard. Yeah. Right. They it's carry been... a lot of responsibility for their family. <sighs> Fucking responsibility. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Like the, the messages always repeat, but yeah, but it makes you a very strong individual who's not afraid to be wild when they need to. Yeah, I am. I can, <laughs> I can definitely, 
I can get I can get feral. Well, but <laughs> but great for you for yeah. you know looking into it and being your own advocate and going through these experiences. That only helps your own personal practice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's funny because now I attract all of these people who have issues that nobody knows what to do with. You know, it might not be, I have, I actually have never met anybody else that's been diagnosed with Bichette's. I'm waiting for that to happen. Um, but other things that, you know, are rare or whatever. Um, I've had quite a few people come in and the story is always the same. I've been to a million doctors and none of them will listen to me. All of them just keep giving me this pill that makes me sicker and et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's the same story over and over. And I had one woman recently who ha unfortunately experienced that story, had a very um, traumatic time going through that and, and had to physically alter her body for the rest of her life because of that. Um, I mean, she didn't have to, but she was made to feel like she had sure. to. Right. Yeah. And um, I asked her the second time I saw her, um, how did you feel after your last treatment? And she said, I felt amazing. And she's like, I, I, I appreciate the acupuncture. Of course. Like, I think that that had a role, but she's like, honestly, I just wanted to be heard. Yeah. And I have to say, even from a personal experience just last week, like I went the Western medicine route because I kind of had no choice. Like yeah. I was in a bad spot and didn't have a great experience and reached out to Jenna and she was like, come on in. And just the way she approaches her appointments, like she was just like, here, let's sit. Like she sat right across from me and was like, tell me what's going on in a very like, I have time for you yeah. type yeah. of way. Whereas when you're in urgent care, it's like, Oh yeah, turn them and burn them. Give me the bullet go. points. Here's here's some antibiotics. I'll slap on it, and like you're on your way. Yeah. And even just, I know you took a lot of time with me, but like you're saying, that goes a really long way. It's part of the healing to hold space, absolutely, and to be validated. Like what you're feeling is real. Yes. Like let's go from there. Not whatever you, what your agenda is. Yes. Right. I mean, I love to tell people that I am not and never will be the expert on your body. Nobody will except mm -hmm. for you because you live in it every single day. So I am just bringing a skill set to you that hopefully will help. And, but we have to work together on this because I don't know what's going on inside of you. And, and I will never know that as deeply as you will. So let's, let's work together. Right. It sort of takes the, it's interesting, you know, that I've said that, you know, I, I don't love to follow authority. I also don't feel like I have to be the authority either. Like I just, you know, it's, it's more about cohesiveness and collaboration and with empowerment people. to be empowerment. their own authority. Exactly. Well, I think when you walk into the Western medical system or, you know, you're dealing with someone with a white coat, like it feels like you are on the other side of the desk, mm -hmm, right? Yes. And with you especially, and of course, I think the vibe that we all try to cultivate is that like, we're not playing, you know, one verse one. We're playing two verse the computer together, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. This is a collaborative effort. We're both trying to understand the same thing. You're the one who's inside describing it to us. And we're over here using our skill set to say, okay, well, if this is what you're telling me, then this is probably going to be what's going to help you best. Yes, exactly. And the idea that we all have an inner healer. Yeah. Right. We're the ones that heal ourselves. Like you Always. can't make a decision for me. Right. Right. 
that's going to change my life. I have to be the one that makes the decision. And I think that's where there's a huge difference between yes. the different systems. They all have the time and place, right? Right, sure. Always. And we're not, yeah, we're not shitting on Western medicine. No, I mean, not at all. I mean, a well, little bit, but like, just, just this resonates our, more with us. Yes. Our goal isn't the shit. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, there, like, like Emily said, there is a time and place for every medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this just wasn't the time and place for me. Yeah. You know, so I, and unfortunately it, it was a negative experience for me, but I also have a lot of people that have really positive experiences. Sure. Um, so it just, it just depends. But I do, I think the, the idea is that I didn't realize I had options until I figured that out. And now I'm like, I want everyone to know that they have options. Right. Like, please I take what I've learned and save yourself some time and pain Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, and speaking of, you know, just in general about like what makes your sessions so special, I really wanted to ask you a question and carve out some time to talk about being a medium and a psychic yeah. and like how you knew that and what has that been progression and how does that play out in your sessions? Like people are dying to know. <laughs> Tell us the juicy <laughs> details. You you touched on it a little bit in the beginning, talking about some of those eighth house details with metaphysics. Like, let's hear it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've already kind of set the stage that I've always had an interest, you know, ghosts, paranormal. Um, it was a little more <laughs> like romanticized, I think, or, or right. Like when I was younger, sure. I didn't really understand it, but I would have, um, I would have premonition dreams when I was younger. So that was kind of the first thing that I noticed. And I would tell my mom in particular. Um, and again, you know, like she, I, she's not, she doesn't know what a medium looks like. So she was like, well, she's just being creative. And that's weird. That thing really Wild did happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, um, she actually, um, her way of, of kind of helping me to understand myself was to buy me a journal. So journaling was kind of my first way, my, my, my first, um, I don't know, way to communicate, I guess, what I was feeling and the dreams I was having. Um, And in writing, I remember in, I think I was third, fourth grade, somewhere in that area of my life, um, I had this very distinct dream that I was in the, I used to take a school bus from my school, my, my um, elementary school to another elementary school where then we would, cause our school is very small. Um, So then we would all link up and all the buses would take the rest of us home. But there was a period of time at that second school where we would all have to wait in line for our buses, usually for about, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so. So I have this dream when I'm young where I'm standing in line and I see this man walking on the sidewalk outside of the school fencing. And in the dream, I definitely had a very uneasy feeling about this guy. He was wearing a long, dark trench coat. He had kind of long, dark hair, kind of like a real like 90s vibe to him. Um, And Matrix. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit like that. Um, Some neo vibes. Yeah. <laughs> so in this dream, I'm standing in line and I'm watching this, this man walk kind of across the sidewalk in front of all of us. We all kind of waiting behind this fence line. And um, I was looking around at all the other kids and noticing like none of them noticed him. I was the only one that noticed him. And in the dream, he like reached in a, you know, kind of like cross body in his trench coat and pulled out a gun and started to open fire on all the kids. Oh my, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And you were, 
I was like third, fourth grade. Yeah. So, right. So like horrible nightmare. Um, the next day I kind of forgot about it, you know? Um, but the next day I go to get on the bus. We take the bus to the other school. We get out, we stand in our lines for our, our next bus. And guess who I see walking down the sidewalk, this same freaking guy. Like I'll never forget like the fear And I didn't know what to do. So I just ran into, there was like a little bathroom um, and I just went in there and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit in here. I don't know what to do. And nothing happened. Nothing. He just walked by. He just left. But I've never seen that man before in my life. Yeah. It was, it was the craziest thing. And that was probably the first moment where I was like, something's weird about me. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you, know? I'm, you know, just hearing it now, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it and being like, maybe it was so jarring, so significant, so specific so that you would know that like shit from your dreams is real. Is real. Yeah. Right. Comes, comes into reality. So you right. need to be prepared. Well, and so then where kind of the writing comes in is that I wrote a short story about it and I submitted it for like a contest and it won some sort of, you know, prize or whatever, <laughs> but like it was, and it, and I you remember, I thank you. I remember, you know, my teachers, um, being like, that was a really interesting story. Where did you come up with that? And I, I couldn't very well be like, well, it happened. So, you know, um, I don't remember what I told them. I was like, I just made it up. Um, but it was definitely one of those moments where I was like, whoa. Um, and so I started having more moments like that, less so in dreaming and more like I would, I was calling it daydreaming. Um, which what I would now call like clairvoyance Mm -hmm. where I would be sitting in the car and I would, you know, I'd be like, Oh, I'm daydreaming that grandma's going to call and she's going to ask mom this question or whatever, as I'm like driving to a baseball game or something. Um, and then grandma would call and right. And like, so little things would happen like that all the time. Um, so, so I definitely understood like the psychic part of that pretty quickly at a young age. Um, and then of course got into all of like the occult stuff moving forward. Um, the mediumship that took a little bit longer for me to really understand because I felt it, but I didn't know what I was feeling because it was very, very subtle and so it really wasn't, I was told I did see a psychic medium. I, you and I went and saw her, um, mm-hmm. kind of a weird situation. She would, <laughs> she, was, like, she yeah. was a lovely woman, but she lived in the middle of nowhere. It was totally creepy. Um, and with just like, she'd do readings in her basement and just like chain smoke the whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and stinky couches, moldy smell was, the whole bit. It was really weird. Crystal um, ball. Oh, there was, yeah, crystal ball, pentagrams, like all the stuff was out. Yeah, the pentagrams Um, definitely rustled my jimmies. I was like, nope, I gotta get out of here. (laughs) But but she was the first one to say, you are a psychic medium. You can do this. I I want... What kind of, like, what year was this now? Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think we were definitely in college, so... No, 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 not yet. We were, this was... This was the summer before college. Oh, okay, so So this would have been like 2009 or so. This would, mm, interesting. This would have been two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I think yeah. is when that happened. Yeah. So we okay. So yeah, and and I like the mo- even though like I was a little sketched out by the whole thing, um, and not all the information that she gave was super accurate, but there were some things were that were really on. Um, but this one thing, I was like, yep, yep, 
No question about it. I don't know why, but hearing that like just hit me right in the soul space. So like I know that to be true the end and and that was it and she used to hold little classes and stuff and would get together with other local people and she wanted me to come but at the time I was moving to Chicago so you know this it would have been an hour and 45 minute drive every Wednesday night or something like that right yeah. so and I didn't even have a car so I was like yeah it's not gonna work um, so I put it aside um, went down the yoga path and and just kind of focused on that um, but it wasn't until we moved to San Diego. Um, we moved to California in 2015 and I, uh, switched, there was another campus, um, in San Diego that I went to. So, um, for my, my master's degree. So I was taking some schooling there <clears throat> and I remember a, another friend or something saying, um, do you know uh, Natalie Vale? And I was like, no, I don't. She's, oh, she's she TAs here sometimes, but she's a psychic medium and you should talk to her. So I think it was my 25th birthday. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to gift myself a session with this woman. Um, and I, and I didn't know what to expect because my a only ritual that's been going on for many years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I didn't know what to expect because I, I had only had this one experience um, and so I went in, I was a freaking nervous wreck. Like I was so anxious. It was crazy. And, um, a lot of times when I get anxious, it's like heart, throat chakra area. Yeah. Like I just get really, so of course I start, I walk in and she immediately starts coughing and she's like, oh, what do you, what do you got going on? I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. I'm like, okay. So she, she knows her shit. Right. Um, so, um, we sat down together and she just gave me this like fucking mind blowing reading where I was like, yes. And she affirmed the same thing. You know, she was like, you can do this. Um, you have this ability. You're very much an intuitive person. And I was like, I know, <laughs> but what do I do with it? You know, that's the question. Yes. <laughs> so it just kind of from there, like slowly sort of snowballed. Um, but it really wasn't until uh, 2020 that I, I don't know what the hell happened. Like some magical portal opened up and all the mediumship came to me and I was able to get very clear and accurate readings. I don't know how I was doing it. I, it just, it was bizarre, but I, it was, I quickly realized, cause I think it's, it's stigmatized as kind of a scary thing. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, talking to dead people and all that. Um, and I get that, but it really, like I, I learned that it really wasn't, it wasn't scary. It didn't have to be scary anyways. Sure. Yeah. Um, and the interactions that I was having with people, I just started to trust that it was right and that they were meant to hear it at that time. And I had some of the most amazing moments with these people Aww. and realized that like, this is a healing tool. Oh yeah. This doesn't have to be like some scary witchy woo kind mm -hmm. of thing. Like yeah. to, to connect people, to help un people understand that their loved ones Although they may be dead, they are not gone. Yeah, they're, they're behind they're, the veil. Exactly, right? Well, what's the what's the famous phrase? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right yeah. here, right uh -huh. here, always available. Absolutely, and I think that that's true. And so to to help people know that, yes, it is still a struggle to mm -hmm. lose somebody, um, and and yet you can continue to maintain a relationship with them. So. What kinds of things do you notice when you are experiencing these mediumship 
things? Like what kind of feelings? What is the first thing that kind of clues you in to that you're getting a message? Or like, how do you go about that? Yeah. So I would say, um, I would, I guess I would call it clairsentience, um, where you, you are like feeling something. It's very, very subtle though. Mm -hmm. Um, I've sort of, part of, part of mediumship and just psychic work in general is creating your own language. And so it's like learning a new language really. Um, so I, I believe like some of the first things I would feel is like a lot of like tingling and warmth in particular areas of my body. And I started to just like, really, you just have to meditate a shit ton because Mm -hmm. that's really where you're going to get the answers. Um, and so for example, um, one of the first like messages I had come through was with a client's grandmother who was, who had just passed. She was very close with her. Um, she was going through an IVF journey and it was, you know, there, there's a lot of emotions involved in that. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot to that. And I kept, every time she would come in, my left hand was just like flaming hot and super tingly. And I was like, I feel like that's something, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of worked through it in my meditation and I, I kind of got the messaging that it was a spirit holding my hand and it wasn't my hand. It was meant for her hand. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, if she's not tapped in, I was just sort of the vessel in which to relay that message. So I was like, okay, holding hands, got it. And then it was like, I would feel like a hand on my shoulder. And that was more like, I got your back kind of a messaging, right? Sometimes I would feel two arms wrap around me. That was a hug, you know? So it was like these little things where I really had to like sit with it and begin to just understand all of these very subtle sensations all across my body and then relate meaning to them. And then that, it went from that to, um, you know, I would then begin to like hear a voice in my head, which sounds cray cray, but it's not. Um, it, it was sometimes my own voice and it was sometimes someone else's voice. Um, so we would call that clear audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was like full conversations of, of bringing information that I could not have otherwise known. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that I see, like, I don't know them prior to coming in, right. you know, Um, so, so I would just start, I would say, okay, here's what's and and what about this? And what, you know, they're saying something about this. What does that mean? And every single time these people are like, what? Like jaw (laughs) drops. Yeah. Right. Like how could I possibly know that information? It's not made public. It's not, I don't see family members that would have told me like, you know, so, so it was affirming to me because I was really nervous about putting this out there to people and just, you know, right. right? Oh my gosh. Like just being like, what a major thing to be like, Hey, your dead relative is wanting to talk to you through me. Um, are you in the space for that? <laughs> yeah. Like you, you ready? Um, and hopefully it's right. So it's, it's, a, again, back to this idea of responsibility. It's a massive responsibility. Um, and, and I think that the way you interpret has to be, it has to be very intentional. Sure. Um, because everything that you say is going to mean something to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just would do little bits here and there when things would come through, but for whatever reason that year, it was just, it was like, it skyrocketed into like something that I could not go back from. Um, clairvoyance started to come through after that. Um, claircognizance would then come through. Um, clairvoyance is seeing. So like either seeing with your, your physical eyes or your, your mind's eye. Um, claircognizance is 
um, unknowing, like just your inner knowing. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I wouldn't get any sensations, but I would just know like someone was there, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and so, so it just, it evolved. And, um, I, took some classes. I read some books. I just tried to figure it all out. Um, the biggest thing I think is, um, that I'm learning is boundaries. You have to have boundaries just as much with people that have crossed as you do with people that are still on the earth. And so like I was getting inundated during times that were inappropriate, like trying to go to sleep, (laughs) not my favorite (laughs) time to be contacted. FYI. Um, so making those and, and actually vocalizing those boundaries to be, to, to the, the universe. And one of the things you've mentioned to me before, which I think is very important to share is one of the boundaries you say is like, I only speak with the light. Exactly. Because I think when people think of mediumship, when they think of us doing these rituals, <sighs> right? they can get a very Hollywood view of oh, what yeah, we're doing. Yes. And I think it's important to hone in that we are only working with light. Only. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and for the messages, for the benefit of everyone involved. Of that person, exactly. And not just that person, but like everyone connected to that, right? And yeah. so like, of course, like as a psychic, one of the most common things that you get is like, oh, what about my relationship? What about my job? What about my career? There's a lot of <laughs> moving parts in those yeah. situations. And so, people involved. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when we're sitting down, you know, before a client even walks in, I feel like you're having that conversation of, okay what's going to be the information for everyone connected and this individual? What is the best possible outcome, no matter the circumstances, right? And that's hard to like think of and interpret when you don't know anything. Yes. Right. (laughs) Anything about it. Right. And you're completely dependent on your own intuition and trust to get you there. Yeah. Yeah. So you do. I mean, there was this point of like, I just have to blindly trust and not everything landed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and like, that's okay too. I have to let that go and forgive myself for, you know, not being spot on all the time. Or sometimes I would say something that nobody really understood until like the next day. And then I get a message of like, remember when you said that thing? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes like there can still be relevance, but like, we're not going to know everything all the time. We are still very much human, human. trying yeah. to do kind of a weird inhuman thing. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's a lot. It's a lot. But well, it's thanks also, for like putting yourself out there and trying these things. Yeah, right. They do really, really help. Of course. I think it's, it's just so fascinating to me and everybody, that's always like the big question, right? And we'll totally do a podcast on afterlife and that kind of stuff. And so I feel like I've been granted this gift of like getting a bit of a glimpse of what it might be like. Mm-hmm. I have my own thoughts about it based on what I've, learned from from those folks on the other side and um there's also like solace in that i think i was just gonna say that's so comforting right oh yeah right you know to know that you're not just like disappear you're gone and yeah yeah, your body's just rotting in the ground and that's just it right um it's it's yeah um so it's it's definitely a gift but it's also it's a little hard to navigate. It's, you know, I mean, just really recently within the last year, as Josh would say, I've come out of the broom closet and like, Oh wait, I got to give credit to Natalie Vale. She's the yeah, one who said that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so we, um, like I've told, I've told my family and talked about it with them. I, we've told his family and talked about it with them and everybody is, um, 
cautiously supportive, I think. Most people are supportive. Yeah. I, we have not really had anybody be like, absolutely not. You're fucking crazy. You know? So not with her family. No. N- right. <laughs> For the most part. And mostly. For and a most, later episode. And most of yours as well. Um, honestly, everybody. The unknown is, is, is scary. And yeah. when you don't know. And Unsettling. when you've been conditioned to think a certain way, it can be weird. Yes. It 100%. can be weird. And, and, and growing up in a religious, a strict religious yeah. culture too. I mean, there's that whole, I mean, that's a whole other layer to this, but, um, you know, I think it, I just present myself as I am. And then I try to meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I know that uh, my family for the most part is supportive. Do they want to hear about every story? Probably not. I think it still like creates a little bit of like, you know, fear in them. Sure. So I'm not going to just go off and tell them all these crazy, right. you know, these, th- these experiences that I'm having. Right. Right. Um, so I, I'm try I try to be respectful of that too. And, and again, meet people where they're at and in, in all aspects. Well, I think you do a really great job of that. Honestly, I think it, I think it lands pretty well with most people, the way you deliver your messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, another question I, I just, and again, thank you so much for sharing that information. But another thing I wanted to ask you, what is your vision for the future? You know, like where, mm-hmm. where are you headed? Where are you going? What, what are you trying to create? Obviously we're working on this podcast. We've yeah. done some business expansion, but I'm, I want to let you talk about, you know, what your personal individual plan is. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many things. I have like 3 million ideas. I, we were just talking about this before we started recording and I was telling Emily that, I have this, this place in mind and I have, I've already written out the floor plan. I've like, I've figured out the square footage of everything. Like I've created the design for this place and it's a, it's a brick and mortar place that is a humble healing center. And the whole idea of the space is to integrate our natural world. Um, and that's really like where I'm trying to go. Like, how can, you know, how can I be more sustainable? How can I be more environmentally conscious? How can I be, um, more integrated with mother earth and all that she has to offer constantly all the time, um, and honor that too. And all of us, again, a value that I think we all share. And so like, and, and using earth medicine is like just our daily Mm -hmm. all the time. And so I really want to create a space where we can integrate that more, right. Whether it's like having, I don't know, more windows or openings or patios or something like something where we can be out in that space. Um, but that's kind of a, I don't know. I don't want to say a short-term vision because I think it's more long-term, but midterm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. We don't want to put any limits on it. Right. But and I think you've been doing a lot of planting and growing mm-hmm. and getting yeah. more into the earth in your own personal life. Yeah. Is that something other, you know, something else that you want to bring into the yeah. healing? Yeah. We portion. We've definitely, ta- we've, you know, Josh and I have talked about that a lot and how we can sort of integrate that. And, um, yeah, we just, we have this, this whole vision of, again, like how to create community around this and how to move from a state of 
living normally to a state of living authentically. Mm, wow, and yeah. you know, like that doesn't, it, it might look really weird for mm-hmm. some people, yeah. but it's, coming it's back the road to, less traveled. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think it's like coming back to classic human yes. values. I mean, forget politics, forget jobs, right. money, all that stuff. Like forget it all. What would you like to do when you wake up in the morning? Right. Or do you like the garden? Do you want to help heal people? Are you a psychic? Are you a medium? Do you make buildings? Are you the type of person that's <laughs> going to help us build this dream? Right. You yeah. know? So it's like when you, I, when you operate from that standpoint, so much more becomes possible, I think. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, there's, there are so many things that can stem from that. I think that we are all making really important connections in our lives right now with people that I think are going to be around to stay for a, for a mm-hmm. bit, 100%. um, professionally. Um, personally, I would love to have some family growth, um, and go down that road a little bit into, into motherhood and all the fun that comes with that. You mean babies? <laughs> I'm in for it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a whole other part of my world that I feel like is important to me. Um, and just like moving beyond that, like, I just, I just want to, again, like keep being, keep working towards being the most authentic version of myself. Cause it is something that I struggle with. I'm very good at masking. I'm an Aquarius rising. So for those of you that know, I can, I can, I can put on a face that isn't at all what I'm feeling and be very fucking good at it. Telly. Yeah. Right. I know right? both of you are not good at that at all. <laughs> Where am I heart I of my sleeve? Uh, yeah. No. Um, very obvious over here, but it's, it's damaging to me in many mm. ways, right? It can be helpful in some ways, but it's, it can be also very damaging. So I'm, I'm working on that. I'm, I just want to continue to let my soul evolve in the, all the ways that it needs to and try not to resist and try not to like take on more responsibility than I need. Um, I would love to write a book. Ooh. That, yeah. That is something. I fully that, support that. Yeah, I don't know what about, but I mean, I feel like the people that will listen to this podcast, you know, as it continues on, will start to realize like you definitely have an art for expression. Your, your writing, your speaking is, oh, is yeah. very strong. You're writing in particular. I mean, obviously when you're speaking on the fly, mm, um, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit different than when you have a time to craft, you know, tasty little communication treats for those who want to read them, you know? I, mean, but, I, uh, I asked her to officiate my wedding because she's true. so eloquent with her words. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what an honor too. So I think that that, I don't know when, but like for me intuitively, I like I'm, guaranteeing that you're going to write a book and i think that like your writing will be a part of your success so yeah. you heard it here first you've got the you've got <laughs> the sacred scoop <laughs> i would love to i think that would be yeah i always used to think that i wasn't creative because i don't paint i don't draw don't, i don't yeah right like exactly. i don't i don't make music i don't you know like all the things that you guys do like not not my jam all the time but I started to realize that like, that's actually not true. That's a story that is not true at all. My creative talents just don't look like what we would typically assign to like an art class or a music class sure. or right? right. Yeah. It would look more like an English class or something. Right. Um, but it, so I think that's just something that's like, I've written in a journal every single, Since not every, write. not every single day, but, every week at least um since 1996 
when I was a whole five years old and I learned how to Do write. you love like, going write back mom? on those journals and oh, reading things absolutely. and you're like, wow, what a time in my life. Yes. <laughs> and I have every single one. And just to see like the... June 6, 97. My mom was a brat. Today. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what my favorite word like was brat. But it was like, it was a way, it was a space for me to express and vent in that case. And, and when so, you feel everything so deeply, you right. need those outlets. Totally. So everyone was a brat for those first couple of years. <laughs> I get it. When I was four years old, you know those, I think they were called yak back. Oh Were yeah. You, oh yeah. I I someone's <laughs> I think it was my uncle's fiance's cat like <laughs> nipped at me. And so I got my yak back and I was like so and so's cats is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And literally, someone found my yak back in the living room and played it back in front of everyone, of including course. her. And I was like, oh, my God. Sorry. I just had to share that. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, now it's it's written in stone. Yep. Uh, yeah. I love that. I can't wait for your book. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I would write about, but I feel like I have a lot of things that I could. I just need to, like, get my shit together and get my thoughts together. So. Stay tuned for the next 20 to 40 years. Yeah, it's will, coming together. You've I'll written some more. stuff. Don't be, you don't have to, you don't be I shy. Have, I did start writing a memoir, um, but then it, that quickly came to a halt with, you know, just like running a business and stuff. But um, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing it. So I only got through like, I don't know, seven chapters maybe, but that's still a lot. Yeah. Seven more than anyone who's never written anything like that. Hey. That's true. That's true. It's, it's an, just another avenue of expression. But I appreciate it. I appreciate all those things. So I'm, yeah, I guess I'm just, I'm trying to be more open to the limitless possibilities of my life. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, I although I yeah. have, you know, I, I have themes of things that I want to go after and visions for my life, but I'm also, I know myself and I can get really stuck on those visions instead of opening myself up to the idea that there may be even more out there. There may be even better options that I just don't, I haven't thought of. So I'm just trying to not resist, embrace the unknown, let go a little bit and just let nature take its course and see what happens. Yeah. love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this information and telling us about yourself. I think we're us both, Emily and I and the listeners are very excited to continue listening and hearing more from you as we continue on this podcast journey. Yeah, I'm excited to talk at you. <laughs> I do have another question. Oh, please, yes. Age old question of this oh podcast. My gosh. Yes, you almost forgot. <laughs> I'm wondering what has been the biggest catalyst in your healing journey? Yeah. So fortunately with a re-record, I had more time to think this through mm. and yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say trauma. Mm, okay. I just, I think that like, if it hadn't been for trauma, for the traumas that I've experienced, I feel like that pushed me, right? A catalyst is something that like accelerates yeah. a process, right? boy, did that accelerate these processes. Like it put me in a position where I had no choice. It was either I'm going to live this very like physically ailed life for the rest of my life, or I'm going to do the fucking thing. And mm-hmm. I'm, I have to figure this out. Um, so trauma, I mean, that was, that was the thing as much yeah. as it was not fun to experience. Um, I can certainly look back now and I hope, 
I, I'm sure that as, as life is just like this, I'm sure there will be more traumas to come. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, and I think it all depends on how you define trauma as well. Right. I always say capital T and little T traumas. Um, and, uh, so I think there will be more to come and I hope that I can again, continue to use those as catalysts to move me forward on my journey. Right. But also, um, know that it's okay to create the space for myself to just struggle a little bit, you know, and then feel the feels, feel the feels. Right. And, And then, and then be you know, catapulted into whatever healing process or recovery process or whatever that looks like. But um, yeah, I think every, every circumstance in my life in which there was growth that happened very quickly, trauma was the first thing that happened. Isn't that a Rumi quote where he says um, the light enters through the wound? Mm. Ooh, interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar with that, but it sounds yeah. right. I mean, something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, I believe it. I, that was, that's been my experience every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, just like, you know, when a snake needs to shed its skin, it has to rub up against something sharp enough to get it started, you know? So like, that's uncomfortable usually in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And, and I, and everybody I think has every single person on this earth has trauma stories, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's about what you do with it. And, and this is, this is why we're here because not everybody has the personality traits of defying everything that they hear on purpose to get to the answer that you want. (laughs) Right. right? Um, That is just my particular personality. And so a lot of people suffer for a lot longer because Mm -hmm. they don't realize that there are other options. They don't realize how many layers go into all of this and they don't realize that their pain and their, their chronic illness is linked to trauma at all. And right. so this is a conversation I have every single day with all of my patients about like, where is the link here? And not to like, not, not to focus on it, but to create the connection so that we can integrate it. Sure. Right. And yeah. then, and then, you know, you progress from there. Um, but it's, and it's a hard thing. you said earlier, big T, little T. Exactly. Because sometimes we, we often think of trauma as this big experience that happened. Yes. But there's also little T's, little <laughs> exactly. traumas that have, you know, the way you were raised, some, some behavior that happened over and over and over again from some sort of parent or yes. guide yes. could shape the way that you see life. Right. And addressing those types of patterns can give you more insight. Absolutely. I mean, I think they said, I was just listening to some, oh, Dr. Becky, um, she does a podcast called Good Inside. And she also has a book written called Good Inside. Um, And she is like a, uh, I can't quite remember her credentials, but um, like a child psychologist or something like that. I follow her too. She's a phenomenal woman. Um, but it's kind of interesting because even though her expertise are in children, her whole thing is like, I need to help the parents to be better because mm-hmm. the children are responding to the parents. Right. And it's not because parents are bad parents. It's just because parents often have not linked their behavior back to their own 
childhood and parents and so on and so forth, right? Generational trauma. Exactly, exactly. And so that's kind of her thing. And she was saying something in one of the podcasts I was listening to where I think she was saying by the age of, what was it? Like two or three, um, most of your condition, I think she said like 85% of your conditioning has happened. Oh my God. So think about that. Like think it's times that you don't even remember, but everything you're hearing around you, the energy that's around you, the, the, um, actions of the people that are around you. Um, it all matters very much. And, and the so, parents handle stressful situations. Exa- even, even, you know, in Chinese medicine, we believe it even goes back to in utero. Even from the moment of conception, the emotional health and physical health of each parent will add to the emotional and physical health of that fetus. Um, And then in, right. And then in utero, everything that the mother feels, the baby will also feel to some extent. Um, And there can be links there. So, you know, trauma. And then there's the whole idea of past life too. And so that's just like a whole other thing. (laughs) Whole other subject. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And so, so like trauma has just been, the thing for me and navigating each and every big T and little T and understanding how that has created me as an adult and how that's created challenges in my life. And in particular, um, in my closest relationships, like with Josh, you know, we've had to do so much reevaluating, um, but on a larger scale, how that's transformed my soul completely and, and like made me into, this person that I am, you know? So that's, that's Well, thank you for doing the work because it is such a pleasure to know and work with you and be friends with you. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Thanks for doing the work so we can have a better relationship. (laughs) I I thought you were going to say, thanks for being married to me. Yeah. Right. No, definitely part of that. Well, I did say I I kicked it off with my super hot wife. So, you know, I'm grateful. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all this again. You know, I think this was really helpful, insightful to get to learn a little bit more about you. And I'm excited to get to, you know, continue to share more with people as we continue on this podcast journey. I am too. Thank you guys for holding space for me today. Absolutely. All right. We'll see y'all later. Bye. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to our very first podcast. It was such a pleasure to get together and offer this for you. And we'd love to close out with a calming, mindful moment. So we all invite you to get in a comfortable position. And if it's right for you in this moment to close your eyes and start to connect to your breath by breathing deeply in through your nose. Then you can release your exhale through your mouth. Taking a few of these deep, calming breaths. I invite you to shift your awareness into the bottom of your seat. And as you breathe in, visualize yourself breathing up the energy of the earth up through your spine to the crown of your head. And then on your exhale, sending that energy back down your spine and into the earth. 
Notice if your breath can get a little bit longer, a little bit slower. You can even visualize yourself breathing in one color and breathing out another. I invite you to do this as long as it feels right to you. But if you are ready, and bring your awareness back to your body by touching each fingertip. When you're ready, gently opening your eyes if they were shut. Hopefully this gives you a little exercise to take with you in your daily life to help calm, ground, and connect. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning into The Sacred Scoop, a spiritual survival guide. If this podcast resonates with you, we graciously invite you to go to our show page to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. For more information about us, please visit sacredearthholistic.com and follow us on socials.